Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. So today we're really excited because we are interviewing Allison and Andrea from Ancestral Kitchen. Before we dive in, we wanted to share a little bit more information about the two of them. So Andrea lives in Washington State on her family farm with her husband and three kids. She homeschools her kids and raises all different types of waterfowl, or not just waterfowl, fowl. Uh, Andrea is passionate about food preservation, and learning about the history of how our ancestors ate. And Allison is originally from the UK and lives in a small town near Florence with her husband and son. After healing her body through an ancestral diet, she became passionate about nourishing herself and her family in this way. So without any further ado, let's jump into this conversation. Okay, welcome back. Um, Today we've got... Andrea and Allison from Ancestral Kitchen. Yeah, we're so excited to have you guys. Um, We usually start our show out with a um, question, and we'll just roundtable this. So our question for today is, what is your kid's favorite homemade meal? Allison, Mm. you want to take it up first? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there was a slight competition on this one. I think if I asked him, I've only got um, one son called Gabriel, he'd say my pizza. I make a sourdough spelt pizza and he's part of it. He basically does all the, the kneading. I help him weigh it out and I've made the starter already. He does the kneading and then I help him kind of shape it and he just, he adores pizza. Um, I almost said the cracklings from rendering lard because that's, a real mm. close second, but no, sourdough pizza, definitely. How about you, Andrea? Andrea? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Jacob, my oldest, his favorite is definitely the cottage potatoes from Sally Fallon's book, Nourishing Traditions. <laughs> he asks for it any chance he can. My middle, Camille, any version of macaroni and cheese, she's all about it. And then the youngest, I'm not even joking, oatmeal. She asks for it every day and for every meal. <laughs> And I have to break her heart sometimes and say, no, we're having cinnamon rolls. And she goes, I just want oatmeal. (laughs) Oh, bless her heart. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Christine, how about you? I would say chili, actually. They are... All three of your kids? Yeah, I mean, the baby, he'll eat whatever you put in front of him. Okay, true. But yeah, chili is a, a... They love it. Um, and it's fairly easy and that's one of the meals that I can always add organ meats to. So that's why I like making chili for them. But yeah, they love it. All right. So my kids, I asked them this morning and they, um, they gave me four ideas between, I have four kids, but, but again, I have a baby. So, um, I think somebody, uh, volunteered the baby to choose one of these. (laughs) 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 So we've got sourdough pizza on our list Mm. and then quesadillas, 
clearly cheese is a big deal in our house. Uh, ramen and shrimp with pasta. So those are those are the four children favorites shrimp in our with house. Pasta. Wow, that's yeah. I know. I was I was surprised actually. I was like, really? That's your favorite? Okay, <laughs> maybe I should make that more often. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So um, we have got all these questions from our um, Instagram uh, posts, and I'm really excited to dive into them because there's really good ones. Um, so the first question uh, that we're going to cover is where to start. We actually got quite a few of those. Yeah. And um, I think that's really, I mean, obviously, we all started somewhere and we didn't start where we are now. So uh, some of the questions rolled up into this one is like, what is the first thing that you would change or how would you suggest a busy mom, you know, with, with multiple kids to make food changes or basically where do you begin? How do you realistically begin an ancestral diet with... Um, you know, including budgeting and, uh, yeah. So, uh, Alison or Andrea, would you guys like to take a stab at that first? I'll jump in with this one, um, which is just to kind of explain a bit where I began. Um, because I think it's really important to do things that bring you joy because those more easily you can carry forward and you don't resent them. Um, when I started with ancestral food, I started with ferments. I remember making sauerkraut I remember getting raw milk and fermenting raw milk because I just the process of transforming these um, foods into other foodstuffs you know crunchy sauerkraut with all those probiotics in and making milk kefir it fascinated me and it brought me so much joy and so I think I would say choose what you care about choose what brings you joy choose what you know you're going to be enthusiastic about enough to be able to carry on with it um Andrew what do you think do you agree I do agree I think there's lots of things you could say about the most ideal thing to start or the best bang for your buck maybe would be raw dairy or something but the fact of the matter is that you may live in a area where that's the one thing you can't access so I would say a combination of what makes you happy and also what is going to be readily accessible to you. Instead of starting with a thing that will be the all-out fight, maybe start with a thing that will be the easiest. <laughs> yeah, that's those are both really good um, places to start. Christine, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I love those answers. They're so insightful. Um, I, if... I can share what I started with, which was I actually was most passionate about reading ingredient labels. I was just angered and frustrated when I realized that the, there were companies in the U.S. that were that had different ingredients than in Europe, due to Europeans were stricter about their products than the U.S. and so I started out with, okay, I'm going to read every ingredient label and I'm not going to buy foods that have more than five ingredients. That's like my, that's how I really started out. And then I also started going to farmer's markets and I was enthralled with them. I was fascinated by the fact that you could buy your food outside of the grocery store and that there were these people that took time to grow it and raise it and just started asking them questions and then from there, it snowballed. 
that's how I recommend starting that's out. Awesome. That's how I did it. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I grew up with my mom sort of implementing a lot of the things that we all do now. Um, and I think that like once I was an adult and was making my own food choices, I was not doing, you know, great making good food choices, but it was, I feel like it was almost easier for me to get back to it because it was, there was a good foundation there. But I think that, Mm. um, Sally Fallon always says, start with your fats, right? Start with, with, with getting out the processed industrial seed oils and then, and, you know, moving towards good fats. And I think that's a really good place to start. But I also think that it's really important to start slow. Um, and like Allison said, you know, so with something that brings you joy, that makes a lot of sense to me. And to um, just to do something, you know, choose one thing to focus on. And once that feels normal and um, good to you, then add something else. Don't try and do all of it at once. I think that's great advice for any change, you know, in life generally. We know if we try to do massive steps and change everything, generally we fall flat on our faces because it's just too much. But if you can get things under your belt, they become habitual and then you can move on. So slow is is sure change, is steady change. So that's great advice, I think. Right. I think one super easy change to make is start by soaking your oatmeal for oats. It's so simple. It's just the night before you put it in a bowl, you know, you add the water, the filtered water and the whey or the, um, the apple cider vinegar, whatever you have, and just start there. I, I, there's so many people that eat oatmeal and instead of buying the packaged, you know, instant oats, that's one really easy actionable step that can become a habit day after day or week after week. So the next question is, Let's talk about practical snacks for little kids. And this particular individual mentioned cutting up fruit and vegetable are good ideas, but something else. So something that could be prepared ahead, either frozen or just quick, easy snacks that kids would enjoy. Mm. Andrea, do you have something that you want to talk about in this one? Because my Gable doesn't really snack, so it's not my um, area of expertise, really. We usually have at least one snack. Sometimes we, I like to position it during morning time. So for anybody who's doing homeschool, you might be familiar with Cindy Rollins morning time. I think Corey, you mentioned that you guys do a morning time too, didn't you? Okay. So my nine-year-old made a strong hint and said, what if we had a snack during morning time? I was like, okay. (laughs) So also usually about once a week we have to leave. Um, and just go run all, our, all of our errands. And I like to bring something in the car that we can eat somewhere in the middle of that. So <clears throat> I like uh, cookies and muffins are two things that those words can encompass the gamut. They can be gluten-free. They could even be like grain-free if you needed. They can be nothing fancy. They can be horrible. They can be great. (laughs) And you can kind of like Christine, you said with the chili, I feel like cookies and muffins are where I can like not hide, but just cram all kinds of good things for the kids. 
Wait, are you putting organ meats in your muffin? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe I will. I want to make that recipe. <laughs> oh, boy, guys. Just a little blueberry and liver muffin for y'all. But too far. <laughs> Calm down. Saying, there's so many things you can stuff in there that are so good. And the kids are like, oh, it's all they hear is cookie. But you're like, it's basically a breakfast bowl, except I flattened it out and baked it. So in the... Uh, the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children. Oh, I'm assuming probably lots of the moms listening have that. And they have their butter cookies in there and their oatmeal raisin cookies. So we also, not always, but sometimes I do try to make making the snack be school. Because for some reason, if I'm cooking, I get all hyperventilating and I'm like, yeah, that's not how you, you know, but if I'm like, well, at school, then I don't mind so much that their techniques are, you know, what you would expect from like a four-year-old and they have fun. And I feel like I'm checking learning off the list. So you can make those <laughs> soaked. It's science. It's math. You can make those soaked Tactical cookies. Skills. Exactly. You can freeze them. And we usually just have either a couple bags in the freezer and containers. And then I also try to have a container on the counter with something in it that is pretty quick you can grab. So I would say those are, oh, and popsicles, as weird as that sounds. Um, popsicles are another thing where you can, they can have kefir, whey, kombucha, you know, collagen, you name it, it can be in the popsicles and all the kids here is popsicle. <laughs> so those are another nice thing to have on hand, although not so great for taking in the car. I was going to ask if you have a specific <laughs> container or what do you use for the popsicle? That sounds messy. <laughs> not in the car. Just don't take yeah. it in the okay. car. <laughs> just, just at home, maybe outside preferably. <laughs> okay. 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 So I agree. I have, we have uh, muffins or breakfast cookies in the freezer. And um, Raising Generation Nourished has a lot of good breakfast cookie recipes. And I usually put like collagen in them and, you know, all the things. Um, and then I wanted to add a couple more ideas really quick. So my kids really like to have, uh, we call it warm applesauce. And it's just warmed on the stove with butter and cinnamon. And then, um, so, you know, you just like melt the butter and it's all stirred up and it's warm and it's delicious. Uh, um, and then, an applesauce uh, yeah, but it's got butter. No, in I it. know. I'm saying that totally beats an applesauce pouch. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, sometimes I'll put collagen in that too. It depends on if idea. my kids are watching or not. I've never done that. Um, and then my, my kids also love frozen fruit with raw cream, which is basically ice cream. And then, um, Oh, just like, you know, jerkies. We have those that are just, those are one of the things I really will buy packaged because it's, if we're running out the door, I'm like, just go grab a jerky. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing is popcorn. I just bought an air pop popcorn thing because I had been making it on the stove and it's fine to do that, but it's just such, it's a mess, right? It's just not really a mess, but it's more to clean up and I just don't have time for it. So um, I just bought this air pop thing and now my oldest and my second oldest can make popcorn and um, they either put olive oil or butter on it and it's done and I don't have to mess with it. So those are our top quick snack options or, you know, cheese is also on that list. True. Christine, do you have anything to add to that list? 
to those things on those lists. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to add fat bombs and gummies. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. My kids love those. Those are easy to freeze and prepare ahead. And you can buy the molds from either a thrift store or just like a crafting store or online. Um, and also jerky. We make our own jerky. And I've found that I can use beef heart to make jerky. And my people are obsessed with it. Hmm. So jerky, wow, that sounds fat nice. bombs, um, and gummies. I would; those are my easy to prepare ahead snack ideas. Oh, and for whoever asked the budget friendly question, you can also use your kombucha scobies to make jerky. <laughs> Just marinate them in your jerky stuff and cut them up and dehydrate them, and literally nobody's going to know that it's not actually meat. <laughs> Wait. I have heard that. It's it, that weirds me it's out so a little good. bit. <laughs> Literally, people don't really. Yeah. It's not like weirdly no, chewy. It's delicious, huh? Okay, so good. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> what is the scoby? What is it made of? It's it's basically cellulose, more or less. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next question because that actually gives me a sort of good leeway. Um, hmm. The question is, how do I get my partner and spouse on board with this style of eating? And the only reason this gives me a leeway is because my husband and I were talking about Christine's um, heart jerky yesterday. Mm. And if you knew my husband 10 years ago, that would never have been a conversation <laughs> he would have had. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. Um, do either of you want to take that first, Allison or Andrea? Yeah, I have. I think it's a really important question. I think it's a really important mm-hmm. question. It's it one is. that I've had a lot from many, many, many people. And I also. I um, when I met my partner, he was kind of already on board with it because he'd been through a, a staggering health journey himself before he met me, and so we started the journey together. And I know how much difference that's made when I hear from other people who haven't had that. Um, so I think it's it's a vital question. I think really, I would say make make them things that they like slowly. But um, I'm interested to hear what you've all got to say about this because it's not something that, that I've had to deal with, thankfully. And I would say this question is more so about relationship than it is about food. I don't think the food is the important factor here. So I did ask um, my friend Lexi to help me articulate my thoughts on this. And she's always really good at that. So um, when maybe you really, you've read Sally's book, you've been convicted in your soul. You're just like ready to throw away everything in your house and, and buy a farm (laughs) in Georgia. (laughs) 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 Then, and your husband goes, yeah, that's no, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, you'll take these Doritos from my cold dead hands. So the question is, Can I be hospitable to my spouse in the way I'm serving food at the table? So is he going to feel welcomed in our home or is he going to feel like I'm going to slam the plate down in front of him? You can, you know, you can serve good food with bitterness and you can serve bad food with kindness. So 
are we serving our food with a good attitude? And then if you are just like Christine with the heart jerky and, and Allison said, cooking their favorite things, if you are um, pursuing what you're doing, you know, in, in the, the best possible way, or, or pursuing excellence in the best possible way with what you're doing and you're, then you will be producing for one delicious food um, that will probably win him over. And two, in the ancestral realm, it's not like you're trying to convince him to eat vegan or something, you know, in the ancestral realm there, you, there's grains included, there's sugars included, there's fruits included. Like there's a huge range of, things that you can have meats and things like that so it's not like you're saying well no more meat in this family you know eat your polenta um you can maybe just say like maybe he loves oatmeal so christine says well now i'm gonna soak it the night before and i'm gonna serve it you know with a good attitude um and when it comes to the budget side of it, because I know some people's spouse is like, oh, I don't care what you serve me, but that budget isn't going to move. Um, I would definitely say that I would go back to using the ancestral processes. So just exactly, again, what Christine said, just soak the oatmeal then. That's not costing you anything. It's not raising your budget. Um, and you'll just probably have to move very, very slowly if, if budget is, is their big sticking factor. And the more you take the processing of a food onto yourself, so instead of saying, well, now we're going to buy the mayonnaise, that's $20 a pint, you know, then you say, well, mayonnaise is $20 a pint, I have a fixed budget, so now I'm going to just make it myself, because then we break even on the bottom line of the budget. That's that might need to come into play. So you'll be learning more skills. And I guess what I want to emphasize is that um, your relationship is going to be more important, honestly, truly. Um, and I would, I would still put a high value on having a, a trusting relationship rather than just trying to <clears throat> rip the rug out of underneath somebody and tell them that everything they've ever loved is wrong and that they're dumb. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that was great. <laughs> I'm good with I that know, answer. I love that. I can I just add a little bit extra? And and this mm, absolutely. is absolutely in addition to what Andrea said. I mean, it goes along really well. But so I start with kind of like shifting your mindset. So the question says how to get my partner or spouse. Mm-hmm. And that's where I start. We're not trying to get them to do anything. Right. We, we need to change that idea and instead, like she said, focus on the relationship and how can I serve my partner the food, his favorite meals, but just make them from scratch or make them using better ingredients um, or about the, the Dorito thing. <laughs> what, what brand can I buy to replace the Doritos maybe um, that still tastes similar? Uh, but yeah, this this idea of our our partners are already doing so much to serve the family. So what can we do to include them in the process and and nourish them as well, both you know physically with food and and emotionally. Um, and then just the other thing is take it slow. This is a super super slow process and. Similar to your husband, Corey, mine did not eat liver the first 
few years that we did this and now he loves it. Like wow. absolutely loves it. And so it's just, I think it's by leading by example, just day by day, eventually they're going to see, wow, my kids are acting differently than those other kids at, <laughs> at the school. They're not as wild or I don't know, just, you know, and, and they'll start to pick up on the changes and want to be a part of this new, this thing is not the right word, but this new life that you're creating for your family. I will say too that I think it's okay to, well, they're an adult, right? You're not going to tell them what to do. Um, I think you can come along with each other and kind of decide what it's okay to have in your house. Um, and uh, I just want to give an example of the other day. I opened the front door, and there's this little girl standing there with this bag of Girl Scout cookies. And I was like, oh, did Ryan order cookies again? <laughs> and she's like, yes, here's your bag full of cookies. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it's a slow process, yeah. guys. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. And Christine, you? You just kind of have to have grace. You reminded me, Christine, of something that Lexi mentioned offhand to me, but that also now springs to my mind is also the the ancestral food also encompasses an ancestral way of life and so what i'm trying to say is you can find the you know in sales they call it the pain point right but the thing that for your partner which it could be the male or the female you know it's i'm you know sometimes you know it's not always going to be the husband that's trying to be converted or something but find that thing that makes sense to them. Maybe they're really just keen on, you know, land management, you know, and so you can start to show them the side of ancestral living that supports, you know, rotating crops, rotating cattle, rotating animals, you know, or maybe they're just really all about, you know, getting in touch with the, you know, movement and their, the, kinesiology and things like that. So, you know, show them the side of ancestral living. That's all about using your body actively to move and gather and hunt and all these things. And maybe they'll come in through that doorway rather than the fermented oatmeal doorway. (laughs) The next question was pretty specific. And this one was how to heal PCOS and menstruation irregularities with an ancestral diet. Uh, This is such a good question. So Alison or Andrea, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, when I saw this on the list, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> because um, <clears throat> that's really what brought me to Western Price. Um, I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, syndrome, diagnosed when I think I was about 12. And at that stage, <clears throat> the doctor put me on the contraceptive pill and I was on the contraceptive pill for most of my teenage years and when I wasn't on it my periods were all over the place and all throughout my teenage years I was massively overweight um twice the weight that I am now and um before I came to to I went on quite a journey and I lost half my body weight between 20 and 21 and I came to Western Price about it was about 10 years ago so I was in my mid-30s the five years before I found Western Price, I didn't have a period at all. I, I, for Literally for five years, I didn't menstruate. And I found Western Price because I knew I wanted a child and I 
Daniel hadn't had a period for five years. And I started researching what were um, kind of traditional fertility foods. And at that time, I was vegan. I was actually raw vegan. And that research led me back to animal fats and in the end to Western Price. And then someone told me about Sally Fallon's book, Nourishing Traditions. And I was trying to remember the kind of details of it when I saw the questions so I could recount them. And I think the most important thing was the fat. So what I noticed quite quickly was that um, my body temperature was very low. And I started monitoring my body temperature. And I noticed that when I started eating saturated fat, my body temperature rose. And I remember doing lots of research into how you, um, your body will not uh, menstruate properly, will not have a proper cycle if it's in emergency mode because, for example, your temperature is too low. And so I went through a phase of eating a lot of saturated fat, um, mostly on the meats, like so really fatty pork joints and really fatty roasts, and watching my temperature and watching my overall health and seeing what happened. And then I started introducing ferments. I came back onto, you know, the meats, the eggs, fish, um, dairy, and I started processing grains and eating processed grains as well. And I think it took about six months altogether. And I didn't really know what was happening, but suddenly one day I had a period and it was just the most amazing kind of gift that this information had come my way and I've been able to influence my health for you know what have been basically like the, the 20 years prior of my life I'd had these periods all over the place and within about three or four weeks I was pregnant um, I didn't even know if I was going to have another period after then because I thought maybe it was just a one-off but um, so I got pregnant and um, carried a gable full term absolutely fine and since then I had a regular cycle and I obviously continue with the Western Price diet and I've honed it and changed it and gone back and um, figured things out that work for me but in answer to the question I would say absolutely totally certainly in my experience I I healed my PCOS I don't have any symptoms from my PCOS now and I have a regular menstrual cycle and I did that through the the information that Western Price has made available and the diet that that they promote so yeah I mean look at it and take what you can from it and I would say tracking temperature is a really good place to start and watching how much saturated fats can change your body temperature um, is is a good first step if someone's struggling with PCOS and um, irregular cycle and wants to do something about it. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. That, I got chills <laughs> listening to that. Same. That is so powerful. The wow, it's um <laughs> totally amazing. It was a big thing for me, and it and it, it's amazing how you know when I went to the doctor, the doctor said to me, "There is nothing you can do. You will not bring your menstrual cycle back naturally. You need to take drugs." And I was not into that. And in my head, I said, "No, I'm not taking drugs." And yes, <laughs> I will bring it back. 
and then I went off and it took a lot of work and a lot of um, changing and experimentation but you know it, it's incredible what we can do with with a diet that's right for us and um, I'm so grateful to have my son. Makes you wonder how much of well, the data you know he, he gave you scientific data you can't bring it back right that's his clinical yeah. experience but it makes you wonder how much of the clinical I suppose you would say clinical data that we have is possibly erroneous because nobody has ever looked you know Allison's not on some you know longitudinal study where they're looking at women who completely change their entire lifestyle and their diet in order to bring their cycle back. No, nobody's gathered that data. And somebody said, somebody yeah. said it is, it's not so much that our food is healing us as it is that the other food was breaking or harming us. Yeah. And we stopped harming ourselves and just got out of the way, which I thought was an interesting way of putting it. Um, does anybody have anything to add to that? I feel like that's Allison's mm -hmm. well, <laughs> question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just knowing, okay. just knowing um, that our, okay, our food oh. can do a lot for us. You know, it can be tasty yeah. too, but it can do a lot for us. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. We want to pause for a moment to talk about one of our favorite podcasts. The Wise Traditions podcast is about food, farming, and the healing arts. Basically, it's about how to cultivate health through ancestral wisdom backed by modern science. We've learned so much from this podcast and the foundation that puts it out. As modern ancestral mamas, we don't always have time to read in-depth scientific studies, but we do have 30 minutes while we're washing dishes or sitting in the school car line. The topics the show covers are broad. Everything from what to eat when you're expecting, to how sunlight nourishes the body, to how to keep children grounded in these turbulent times. Give a listen wherever you get your podcasts and or download the Wise Traditions podcast app from your app store. Uh, we have an, a one or not one more. We have a bunch more questions. But one of the questions is <laughs> how do you guys uh, handle taking your kids out of the house, you know, parties, play dates, whatever? I think this is generally like that somebody else is providing the meal mm, would be my mm. guess on this question. I've gotten this question a lot, yeah. actually. So you, I'm interested to hear. in these sorts of situations where there's outside food involved? Right. Yeah, well, I, I have to say this is something I struggle with. So maybe, Andrew, you could go first and give me some <laughs> advice. <laughs> I because I, say, I we've had to be, be really strict with Gabriel's diet, and um, mm. it's been a real struggle to go outside to, to <sighs> other people's houses, other than people who have good diets and who I know um, respect what we do. Other than that, I find it really quite hard. Andrew, yeah. what's your take on that? What do you do with your three? Oh, I feel like we're probably all going to say the same thing. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, a, mm. a huge portion of the people we spend any significant amount of time with or break bread with, if you will, eat very similarly to the way we do. So it's not always a big struggle. So, Hey, make, you know, go join your Weston A. Price chapter. <laughs> Actually not even in our chapter here yet. I got to find it, but, um, you know, having friends who support and do the same as you is helpful. We do bring stuff sometimes. And then also you can, uh, kind of like Corey, you said with the chips, you know, find the, the approximate similar thing 
or decide if you're just okay with sometimes they're going to have something that isn't ancestral. Mm-hmm. Um, that w- that would be a very personal thing for each mom and also hugely dependent on, I suppose, what the specific thing was. Like, do you have a hard line? Like, we have some hard lines that we won't cross. And then also, you know, the, um, the context of the situation and I don't know, it's, it's hard, but the, the more you get known for being, being kind of that mom that eats differently, people do start to recognize it and, um, acknowledge it and say, Oh, I don't think you guys do this. Or they'll say, Oh, we made this cause we know you can eat that or whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's hard though. It's hard. Okay. So I do want to, I do want to answer this one. Cause I think I probably have a different answer than everybody. Um, and I actually just posted something on Instagram about this very question. Uh, so my, my, one of my daughters has a gluten sensitivity. She can eat sourdough, but she can't eat, you know, regular gluten. Um, so we are in that situation of having to control that for her. And if there's, if we ever get invited to a party, I always contact the um, host first and say, Hey, my kid has a gluten sensitivity. Um, I don't expect you to uh, cater to us. Just tell me what you're having so that I can bring an equivalent. You know, so if they're having pizza, then I'll bring pizza. If they're having cake, um, I'll bring cupcakes. Mm. I always have gluten-free cupcakes in the freezer for her. So I just pull one out and we take it to the party. Um, and I try and get almost, you know, as much of the menu that I can recreate for her as possible. Because I have found with my children, and this may be that it's, particularly my children, but they are very aware of being different and they don't want to be different. And, yeah. and I can appreciate that. Um, so uh, if we have a party that is something, you know, where it's like a potluck sort of situation, I have started more recent. I used to, you know, like make my own I would be like, oh, well, I'll just make the cookies and bring them. And I've stopped doing that. And I know it sounds crazy, but like I will just make sure that we have gluten-free options. And I almost always buy them at the store. And I know that it's not like, you know, the best food. But at this point, I'm not interested in throwing my pearls before swine. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time (laughs) making food that like, I know is going to get passed over and my kids are going to pass it over too. And I'm not interested in, you know, standing above them saying, Oh, nope, you can't have that one Uh, aside from my daughter. And I always just make sure she knows, you know, this is the pile of gluten-free stuff that you can have. Um, And then I just say, okay, we're at a party, go hang out with your friends, have whatever you want. Remember to try and listen to your body. So if your body starts telling me you, I don't feel very good. I should stop eating this. Then stop eating it. But otherwise, have the donut. Have the electric blue frosting. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but that's that's what our family has decided to do. And in and in um, kind of this mindset of you know we're being gracious to the people around us, and we're being um, I'm I'm trying to be aware of my kids' uh, emotions in the situation. Um, you know, all of those factors, because those are all thing, factors in our health. It's not just what I we agree. eat. You know, there's also things that are affecting us that are outside of just the food that we put in our bodies. And I know that for the most part, those those parties are few and far between. So if we have one once a month and the mm-hmm. rest of the food that my kids are getting at home is highly nourishing and, and you know, 
that I'm not, I'm not worried about it's it. It's the hospitable uh, question again, except with your children. Like if your child has a peanut allergy, it's not hospitable to be like, okay, honey, you can have the peanut butter cookie because it looks fun, you know? But, right, right, but yes. if, if you're like, oh, I know it's going to have, um, you know, you know, unsoaked grains in it or whatever your thing is, you know, I, yeah, I feel like it's a hard one because also when somebody, Allison, you remember that post that I sent you that, that was like, I love you. This is something I made for you. I yeah. love you. Yeah. I know you can't eat yeah. this. I love you. You know, like food is a way of expressing love. And when somebody comes to you and says, yeah. I love you, I made this for you. I love you. And you're just like, oh, gross. I don't eat that. You know, then it can be mm-hmm. um, harmful to the person. And there's ways to gently teach them over time. And Ben Lynch says, um, Dr. Ben Lynch, the guy who wrote Dirty Jeans, he said something similar to what you said, Corey. He said, um, you know, he, he always has really great food for his kids and they serve them really well. And then he said, as his kids have gotten older, they go to their friend's house and they're like, yes, I get the, you know, the junk food and they eat it. And then they come home and they're sick for two days and they tell their dad, like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to do that anymore. And he goes, I could have told them, but they found out for themselves. You know, <laughs> it's like, yep. and that's better because then they're, yeah. they're understanding yeah. from their own experience what the situation is. So you have to expose to some extent. But if there is a you know a real problem like gluten or like peanut butter, like you said, there there's that line mm-hmm. that that's different, right? But I think a lot of times kids will know. Like my daughter knows at this point because she's I, yeah, eight. She knows that mm. it she it yep. affects her you know and she won't eat it and she'll make sure she doesn't eat it or if she's at a friend's house and they offer her a snack she goes well can I see the packaging because I'm not allowed to have gluten because it makes me <laughs> itchy so, so yeah yeah I also have heard Sally Fallon actually talk about this and she's like if you go to somebody's house and you're served a dinner with crescent rolls and um you know cake from a box just yeah. eat it because you're at somebody's house and they have made you a meal. True. Mm. Corey, I was and be just going to bring that good. up. I was shocked when I heard Sally say that, but I actually also appreciated what she was trying to, what what she was, yeah, what she wanted people to understand, which was graciousness. Yeah, and its mm. relationships are more important. Yeah. Than I a agree. meal. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Okay. So now this is. The whole conversation today is about relationships. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what food is. That's oh, what that's food great. represents to us. It's our connection to each other. And part of the sin of industrialization of food is that it, it said, let's remove the connection. And it became lack of connection. And, and we have to bring it back. And, and so it's hard for us. Our paradigm doesn't account for it being a connection or a network anymore. We have to return that. And so we're simultaneously figuring out, oh my gosh, food is actually about connection at the same time as we're like, saturated fats are good for bringing your cycle back. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Amen. (laughs) Do we have time for more? Because there's four more on the list and they're all so good. We have four more on the list and we're at 42 minutes. How fast can we do this? (laughs) Why Why don't we answer one more question? So this is, this is a big question, guys. How do you have time to do it all? How do we have time to source, shop, prep, cook, clean with a baby, and multiple kids? I'd say the first thing is that I don't do it all. Certainly not. Um, yep. Some things, um, Andrew and I talked about this quite a lot on the podcast, I outsource 
Like I want to have miso in my life, but I don't make miso. You know, I, I buy it. I want to have ghee in my life, but I don't make ghee. I buy it. I don't do it all. And then within my family, I don't do it all. My husband does a lot. And increasingly, my son does a lot. And between the three of us, we do enough to keep us kind of going. Um, the other thing I would put in with the time question is that I think it's really important to actually look at where our time is going um, because I've lived very differently to how I live now and I grew up in a, a, a standard kind of house with people who had jobs in, in corporate and had televisions and all the things that really um, a lot of them seem completely opposed to the to the way I live now and in that previous life I used my time in ways where it just disappeared it didn't contribute to my household um, whereas the way I live now I'm really careful about what I use my time for so I don't have a television and we read a lot because I love reading. I don't have um, an iPhone and therefore I don't stand scrolling on my iPhone, um, which I used to do before I got rid of the iPhone. I block my workout so I have a certain number of hours to do things and I put in kitchen tasks into my day as well. And so, you know, once you become aware of how you're actually using your time, there are usually things that if you know, if you know food is your priority and sourcing and shopping and cooking is your priority, then there are ways to change how you use your time to prioritise that. Um, I know that, that Andrea, uh, we've talked about this quite a lot, and particularly in the um, episode, earlier episodes about kitchen management and burnout, then you kind of feel the same as me on this, don't you? I think that mm -hmm. that your family is a kind of a crew resource for you and, and it's about prioritizing. I'm right. Yeah. Right. We, we call it crew resource management because that's what they call it in, yeah, in uh, flight school. <laughs> so the, you know, a good pilot is somebody who can um, have good crew resource management so they can, they know the skills of their crew and they can divide them and delegate them quickly, efficiently, and even in an emergency and under duress. So Joel Salatin says this with farming. He says, you know, maybe you're not starting out the exact identical way that you want to be doing it for the rest of your life, but you got to start somewhere and then refine. And just that concept alone is helpful because instead of thinking, yeah, but I want to render my own lard and raise my own pig and, and, and here I am, you know, buying, you know, fat from the store or whatever, like, okay, that's fine. So you're learning how to use lard, just start here and then work your way backwards. That's what I always think in my head, work your way backwards. And I'm just imagining that this mom's husband works. I'm assuming this came from a mom, you know, the way it was phrased, you know, her husband works 70 hours a week and she has like five kids under five. So let's just say she doesn't have, you know, I can say to her, yeah, train your kids so that they can help you. But what if there's five under five, like that's hard. And I would encourage the mom to very much recognize the seasonality of life. Like she may need to outsource a lot and she may not get to do things all the exact ways she wants to do it right now. And that's a part of life and that's okay. She's getting there. By the time those kids she listed there are, you know, 10 and nine, they will be 
like, like Allison's son making sourdough or, you know, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll be helping her in the kitchen. They'll be doing things. And, but right now she may need to outsource. That's a huge thing to recognize. What can you outsource? Like we outsource right now. Um, I don't buy pumpkins and cook them and puree them and freeze them or cube and can. I just buy them canned from Azure. They're organic. It's great. It's fine. Could it be better? Yes. Sure. Could I raise my own pumpkins? Probably. Am I going to? Not right now. <laughs> so just recognizing the things that you could outsource those little skills. Um, and also recognizing and being grateful for, because I hear people say all the time, yeah, but, um, you know, back in the old days, then they had this or that. And it's like, yes, but um, like something I heard somebody say the other day was, oh, the Proverbs 31 woman, she's so heroic, but think how she probably had like servants and everything. It's like, yeah, well, so do you, do you haul water? I didn't think so. Do you have to haul and split your firewood? Like, we do out here now. So now I recognize how much of a time consuming part of a day it is to have to run a fire. Do you have to beat your clothes on the rock? I didn't think so. Like, are you heating water on the stove to bathe the kids? Probably not. So yeah, you have servants in your house. You're just not acknowledging them. So, um, uh, recognizing what we have outsourcing, what we can't do and understanding that we can't do it all. You literally cannot do it all. Um, and being okay with that, probably the biggest things for me. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have a baby and, and a, oh and a two-year-old, because I've been there, my oldest two are 22 months apart, and I was, I, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it, that was such a hard oh, season. Yeah. And I now have, a, I have a 10-year-old and a eight-year-old, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and even though, or almost two-year-old, even though my I still have that young baby in my house. It's a different um, environment because now I've got the older two. And I can say, you know, we have a timer that goes off at at 4.30 every day that says, hey, everybody, time to help mom pick up the house before dinner. Um, And I'm not doing it by myself, you know? Or I can say, hey, you know, oldest kid, go take the baby out in the backyard for a couple minutes while I, you know, finish this up. And you know, granted, we're we're also homeschooling and we're also doing right. all that, but it's still a completely different dynamic than it was when it was just the two kids under two or whatever it was for you know for them at that early stage. Um, yeah, and I think outsourcing is uh, really good. Uh, we have a, a sh- episode coming out on. Um, that should be out by the time this one comes out that is on sourcing oh, and, and um, that has good information on where to get things that are outsourced. Mm-hmm. So I just want to everybody check that out. <laughs> I just want to add to this question organization. If that happens to be something that you think you can do. Mm-hmm. So some people don't can't be organized and they don't thrive on it and others do. And if you happen to be someone who thrives off of organization, that is another way to help you manage everything. And that can look like meal prep, meal prepping or creating meal schedules, or that could look as simple as you go grocery shopping on the same day every week. Um, but just mm-hmm. having a consistent... Uh, 
yeah, schedule or a way to organize how you're going to feed your family. That's That would yeah. be my tip. I do want to add two more things. One is that if I ever go grocery shopping in a regular grocery store, um, I have it delivered. And uh, so then I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to dra- drag all four of my kids with me <laughs> to the store. And I'm not spending all that time driving and all that time shopping. And they just deliver it. Um, and then the other thing is, is finding pockets. You know, like if I'm, if I have 10 minutes, then I can make, um, like I can feed my sourdough starter and stick it back in the fridge. Or, um, if I have, I don't know if I'm making, okay. So refried beans is something like this. It's a big process to make Mm -hmm. refried beans, right? So don't make (laughs) one serving of refried beans, make like 30 (laughs) and then freeze it. You're already making one. It's exactly. just as easy to make a ton. Um, and then you've, I've done that like every year at Thanksgiving, I make probably 30 sourdough um, pie crusts. And then I have tons of pie crusts in my freezer through, for the whole year. And I can just pull one out if I want to make, you know, pot pie or if I want to make cherry pie or whatever. It's already done. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on that and we are like whoa mm-hmm. at time so good though <laughs> so good though it's, it's all i think it's worth listening to <laughs> absolutely i have really enjoyed this conversation this you guys thank you. thank you thank you so much. thank this, you this has been i mean i feel honored to be able to talk to both of you oh my gosh likewise it's been um yeah it was it was funny getting it all s- settled mm-hmm. because we're we have four different time zones <laughs> Three different states and two different countries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's amazing, and we just we all we made it work. I'm really really oh and eleven and kids. Grateful that we, we added it up. We're able We've to got do eleven this. kids. Oh, <laughs> eleven yeah. kids. Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There's some little stats for you guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining Christine and I. I really appreciate it. Do you want to um, give your where people can find you really fast? Yeah, okay, so you can find me, Alison, at Ancestral Kitchen. My website's ancestralkitchen.com, and on Instagram, I'm ancestral underscore kitchen. Yep, I am on Instagram at farm and hearth, and my blog is farmandhearth.com. And it was a real treat and a joy to get to visit with you ladies. That I just, yeah. I just love this so much. And your show is called Ancestral Kitchen, and it's available all, all the places. places. Yeah. yeah, yeah. iTunes and and the yeah. the Instagram for that is what Ancestral Kitchen Ancestral Podcast. Kitchen Podcast. Yeah. Okay. No underscore on yeah. that one. <laughs> no. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at nourishthelittles and online at nourishthelittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at fornutrientsake and online at fornutrientsake.com. Follow us on Instagram at modernancestralmamas.com.